Hello, dear listener. Thank you for downloading, streaming, listening to the Spooky Doings podcast. My name is Rick Guzman. I'm an improv comedian from New York. Still not feeling great, but we're carrying on because we're going to have some fun today. I have a curious mind. And recently I was watching movies and TV and I noticed that on shows like Yellow Jackets, movies like Scream and Needful Things, all the Letterman jackets were blue and yellow. And I wondered, is this a coincidence? And I don't know. And rather than Google things, I go to people that know more than me. So we're very happy to have back on the show Jolene Richardson. She is a fashion designer, uh, Fangoria con- contributor. And I forgot the third thing that she reminded me to say when I introduced A fashion her. historian. Fashion historian, yes. Who I first learned about from a great article you did in Fangoria about the Bride of Frankenstein and all of those fashions in the early universal days. So thank you for coming back on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Rick. I'm excited to talk about this because uh, I like when people ask me questions because it might not be something that I am looking at, but then I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to I want to know about this. <laughs> well, because yeah, immediately I, I went to Twitter and I hit up you and Phil Mobile and I think Tara Ainsley as well. So I'm like, I, am I the only one that has noticed this or something like it? Um, yeah. And, and and I could tell by your response, like your interest was peaked instantly. Yeah, I'm always fascinated, specifically in the realm of costume design, because it is it's character driven and it's telling a story on so many levels, not just about the character, but then, you know, all the other weight that comes with fashion versus costuming. Um, so you're kind of combining those two worlds. So I was like, oh, this is. This is interesting when you think about color, because we do. I mean, costume designers think in color constantly. So. Because I know for like the few times that I've been done extra work, they're always saying, don't wear red because it'll catch the focus of the camera. And that's not your job as a background extra. You're just supposed to blend in, which right. makes perfect sense to me. So I'm like wondering what is, what is the theory about all of these jackets having the same yellow and blue to them. And then I did like a couple other Googlings and there are other horror movies that use different colors for jackets, but they don't catch my eye as much as the blue and yellow. Yeah. So um, according to my research, and this is from a few different sources, but specifically also the school colors Wikipedia page that has the most information that I could find. Um It started in the 1830s in England, school colors in general. So I guess because, which makes sense. I'm not like an education historian, but like when you track history and schooling, before that people were just kind of sent away to boarding school and secondary or post-secondary education wasn't a huge thing. It was really only for elites. So Mm -hmm. when it became a lot more accessible, Everybody else had to get into the factories of the mines. Right, exactly. It it became like, um, it said it started at um, Oxford University and when there was a boat race against Cambridge University and they chose blue, which is, again, a primary color. So blue, red, yellow, those are primary colors. So I can see why a lot of schools kind of use those. And then it was adopted through universities and then probably through that because high schools then became more like a university environment 
in the States and in England. And then uh, they adopted it for high schools as well. Some, some, some rich kids on a boat. Yep. Yep. Boat races. Yes. It begins there. Yeah. Yeah. Identifiable colors to see what team you're rooting for, which makes sense because like when you think of a sports team, you want to have bright colors that catch your eyes. You could follow them when you're sitting up in the nosebleeds. (laughs) Except the Jets, they're in white. We don't talk about them. (laughs) I know next to nothing about what I know about sports. I can fit into a thimble and still have room (laughs) left over to push a couple of peas in there. (laughs) But yeah, had you ever noticed that pattern when you're watching movies? Because I know uh, as a set dresser and and person that does props, sometimes I'll notice things in the background that may not be important. Uh, But as a costume designer, have you watched things even just, or or noticed these color patterns or more likely just wonder who the hell approved that outfit? (laughs) Oh, constantly. Um... (laughs) Because sometimes uh, outfits will come through that were not always what the designer wanted, and it could be what the actor or the producer wanted. So sometimes things make it on screen that you as the designer are like, I don't really like this, but somebody else does. So I guess we're going with it. But um, yeah, I think the one that always sticks out in my mind, and maybe because it's not a primary color, maybe they did this on purpose, is um, in Jennifer's body, her Mm -hmm. flag uniform it's purple and yellow so again we have bright colors but like I guess purple is not a color you see very often in school colors they they tend to stay towards those neutral primaries with like it said like a complementary color interesting yeah I need need to watch that one more often it took a while for Jennifer's body to like resonate with me like the first three or four times yeah it's it's kind of like the jazz equivalent of a horror movie for me. It's like, I'm oh, not yeah. ripened enough yet, <laughs> but I'll, it's... I revisit every now and then. And now, you know, getting long in the tooth, I'm like, now I get it. Jennifer, yeah. Jennifer's body, Miles Davis, same thing. <laughs> it's one of my favorites, but yeah, I mean, that's for me, one of the most prevalent um, uses of uh, uniforms. You don't really get a lot of, to my knowledge. I mean, I could be, missing something but I don't don't, there's not too many horror movies set in like private schools where you have a a uniform or if it is it's like a very hyper realized version of a uniform where I'm like Mm -hmm. I I went to Catholic high school we didn't wear berets and shit no (laughs) it's usually just the shirt the tie the the dress pants and the typical uh skirt and yeah like blazer yeah upon mentioning that the first thing that comes to mind is halloween h2o and even with that josh hartnett is doing what i did it's like oh class is over this tie is coming off i hate this thing uh i equate ties and nicer clothes as kind of noose-like very imprisoning i don't like wearing them because it usually means i'm uh at a funeral or uh I, I was the defendant. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not good. You know, le- leave leave me to my 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 hoodie and my t-shirt, my jeans, flannel. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, but I, I'm I'm curious. I couldn't find specifically why blue and yellow, but mm. what I have found is that primary colors are easily 
identifiable with a complementing color, like a gray or a white or a black, or using an opposite complementing color. So blue and yellow are opposites on the color wheel. So that kind of makes sense. Because even in responding to the tweet, Phil Nobile from Fangoria mentioned that it might be an Easter egg to other Probably movies. Yes. And yeah, I thought to myself, okay, you know, perhaps Yellow Jackets was referencing Scream in their way as uh, half the show takes place in the 90s. Um, also that connection uh, to Jennifer's body with Karen Kusama. Mm-hmm. worlds blending and colliding like that and I'm like it could be but th- again I'm like what is it about my eyes did COVID change my brain enough that now I'm just noticing blue and yellow everywhere and am I I don't believe I'm falling into like conspiracy theory uh, realm of like they're all connected I'm like it could just all be a nice lovely little coincidence of popping the visual cortex on camera and making it feel familiar. Because even yeah. in rewatching Needful Things and uh, is the one character who misses his football jacket and that's the the thing that he needs from Leland Gaunt, like, and now you'll play a little prank for me. Yeah, I mean, I think those colors do, I mean, yellow is not part of our flag, but I feel like that kind of blue feels very all-American and it feels very like, anybody's town you know like in like you're talking about in scream which was cost the first one was costumed by cynthia bergstrom that that town is supposed to feel like anybody's town woodsboro you know like woodsboro can Mm -hmm. be anywhere and then yellow jackets takes place we know that they're from jersey really close to new york city and the northeast is very rich in in history of americana and like feeling of uh patriotism and schools and you know, so yeah, I I would assume that that would probably be uh, a part Easter egg, part just pleasing to the eye. It also it pops really nicely on camera. the The mascot's a a yellow jacket, which is a you know a yellow bug. So I'm sure that that has something to play with it too. And it just it just looks very collegiate in amidst this world of like cannibalism and blood and the snow and and the grayness that everything else i mean when when they're wearing those jackets in the um in the cabin and it's snowing out and they're dirty and decrepit now that is it's so out of that element of nature so i'm i'm taking that you watch that show as well i do yeah yes. my husband and i watch it we we love the yellow jackets it, it is a really really fun show there yeah. like if the only flaw i think i'm like I wouldn't pick that song to 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 reflect the '90s because I'm of that. Like in the right. first season when the ladies are walking into the gymnasium, and and you see it in slow motion, I'm like, that's the perfect place to drop "Rebel Girl" by Bikini Kill. Right, <laughs> right. I forget what song they used instead. I was just like, mm. <laughs> but you know, I'm I'm a prop guy. I set up cast chairs and couches. I, I I'm not a music supervisor. Maybe someday. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Caroline B. Marks, Amy Paris, and Marie uh, Sheely are the costume designers for that series. And I think they did a fantastic job and continue to do a fantastic job. I mean, just the way that they play with color with, you know, what they're doing this season with Lottie's cult and all mm-hmm. of the purple. And then, yes. you know, J- uh, Juliet Lewis's character and how she's just in all black all the time. Like it's and it's black leather and it, just the contrast of this like soft purple with this black leather is just so well done. 
Well, you know, she's she's got that rock and roll to her, does Juliette Lewis. I just, oh, yeah. uh, I just picked up uh, an album by Juliette and the Licks and, you know, influenced greatly just by Yellow Jackets and re-watching Strange Days because she kind of dropped out of acting for a little bit. I'm like, let me see what she was up to in those, those oh, yeah. years. And so, from what I've heard already, it sounds pretty good. I'm like, I'm digging it. I'm digging yeah, it. yeah. She had a band back in the day. I remember her being on like those VH1 talking head shows and she was talking about her band we got gotta follow the passion you know sometimes sometimes you gotta get away from the day gig and go do other stuff yeah whatever can make you feel creatively fulfilled i agree completely but yeah with with yellow jackets i'm also noticing in the flashbacks as you mentioned the deterioration of those mm-hmm. outfits that and 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 the cult is or when i'm noticing the wardrobe more so than just being engrossed in the story because normal everyday wear doesn't usually uh stick out to me if it's a something taking place in modern times it's like oh yeah of course why wouldn't they be wearing that right. outfit in a gym or that outfit in their living room uh, as opposed to just strapping on layers and layers to protect yourself from the cold uh, or you're in a fun cult with a lot of bees. Yeah. Well, I think too, when you, when you're talking about the, the flashbacks and the deterioration of those costumes and we're going back to this idea of, of using primary colors and using, um, you know, these popular school colors there's such an innocence to that. And then you're seeing that innocence literally being stripped away. I mean, we're watching it happen to these women out in this wilderness, but this innocence that's deteriorating away and to do that to such pristine colors is, is almost like sacrilege in a way. Cause you're like, no, they're an all American sports team and, and they're in high school and they're all American kids going to high school. And then there's this really seedy underbelly to all of this. And I love the way that they play up on that in that way. Mm, that's that's profound. I dig yeah. that. Thank you, Jolene. It's like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, sometimes it, it, it just in conversation, and that's what I love about doing this podcast is that you can just converse with someone and they'll tell you their view on something that you may never have considered for yourself. And then it's it's... Uh, just an extra little ingredient into your mind to make you go oh yeah yeah that's wonderful and then now I can take that with me and watch the new episode (laughs) yeah absolutely so your high school and college what were its school colors um I don't remember I didn't go to college I went to St. Francis Prep in Queens okay Uh, I think they were red and white um but I I paid no attention to anything. I was hanging out with the artists, yeah, uh, with the musicians, um, trying to find teenage love and uh, making mixtapes for the objects of my affection. <laughs> so so Yellow Jackets resonates a lot uh, to me looking back at that. 
the the uh, younger version of Juliette Lewis's character, I'm like, oh, that's the girl I would be have a tremendous crush on, yeah. and would want to like make her a mixtape of music that was cool, but also expressed my feelings. Right. Um, so in high school, I'm, yeah, I'm sure I saw the football players hiking out to the field as I was, you know, going home on a bus, thinking. That's not how I want to spend my afternoon. <laughs> do more school stuff after right. school. I don't want to do school stuff when I'm at school. Yeah. Yeah. No, my high school, I think I think we had the same school colors because I I went to St. John, not prep, but I went to St. John the Baptist. And uh we were red and white. But Ironically enough, we were in the town of West Islip, which is the blue and the yellow. Like West mm-hmm. Islip High School is that blue and yellow. So when I think of that, I just I think of West Islip High School for those Long Islanders that listen to your podcast. I know what we're talking about. And then my college, it was teal and black and gold. It's very it was a very strange color. We had a teal chicken. That was our mascot. Teal chicken. A teal chicken named Chauncey. He was a Chanticleer, which is a Canadian gamecock. We were like a my university was a, it was a part of USC, University of South Carolina, and then they broke off and became their own university, and then they became Coastal Carolina, but they wanted to keep it a literary mascot, so that's why his name was Chauncey, but we were teal. And then we got a teal football field my my senior year. Now I'm just picturing um, a Gamecock named Chauncey on that uh, rowing race that you mentioned earlier in the show. <laughs> I think the Cambridge rowing race, yeah. Like just pointing forward like, onward, man, onward. I mean, pretty pretty close, yeah. <laughs> just to give everyone an idea of the kind of weird shit I think about. Yeah, I can, I'm, I'll, I can pull up a picture. I've met Chauncey because I used to go to football games. I'm a, I am actually a sports fan. By all means, more, better you than me. Oh, that's a handsome cock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's quite the guy. And because the school was in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, he would host the Bojangles biscuit eating contest at halftime. <laughs> so now that's something I can get behind. I'm like, I don't care about all this sports, but you want to, you want to give me a tasty biscuit. Yeah. So th- that, that was my foray into school colors. And I, I don't know if you would say I have school spirit. But definitely not for my high school, but I had a little bit more for my my university, I will say. That makes sense because it's more by choice. I was just remembering the other day about how much I hated to read in school because Mm. they made me. They made me read what they wanted me to read. And um, after getting out of school, uh, that's when I found reading to be a pleasure for myself. And I wish uh, either Corona or my phone didn't destroy that. Because now I can only really focus on reading when I'm donating platelets. So mm-hmm. you know, if you've seen me post uh, with like an issue of Fangoria and a, and a tube in my arm, <laughs> bleeding and reading, which is a really great thing to read when you're, when, yeah. when you're being exsanguinated temporarily. <laughs> that feels like a whole other like mini-sode to this podcast, bleeding and reading. <laughs> You're just you're sitting for you know thirty minutes, and you're just talking about what you're reading. <laughs> I'm not opposed to that. <laughs> With no. Chelsea taking a little break from podcasting because she's a busy lady, then yeah, why not? <laughs> I yeah, I, I, I've been I've been slowly working my way through. My heart is a chainsaw. 
Okay. By Stephen Graham Jones. Yeah. Which I feel like I should like more than I do. Okay. Is it a novel or is it a theory? It's a novel. It's It's a a novel. novel. Okay. It's about this gal who is slasher movie obsessed and there's some weird happenings in her uh, Native American town Hmm. kind of thing. And uh, she's trying to figure out what's going on. And nobody believes her because she's she's the outcast. She's the weirdo. But she knows that she's not the final girl in her story. Oh, interesting. Okay. The the object of her affection, she believes, is the final girl in her story. Mm, Okay. Interesting. It is on my list. I have one more book to finish. And then I can finally allow myself to buy more books. (laughs) (laughs) I've also put a stop to books because my pile is getting very, very large. Um, Which is tough to do because I also want to support people like... uh, same. Joe Hill or Grady Hendrix. Grady was nice enough to be on our show early on. And it's like, they they, they need a hand. They're nice people. Yeah. yeah. Grady is such a, a gem of a human being. I got to hang out with him at Overlook uh, Film Festival a couple weekends ago. And we were playing some trivia because Ted was down there doing the trivia. And he's such a wonderful human being. Very much so. Very wonderful. Um, saw him most recently at Camp Blood at the Mahonic Drive-In. Mm. Uh, introducing some movies and promoting his books and I had a copy there was some kind of mix-up he did this uh kung fu book uh, oh yeah and the distributor sent it out before they were supposed to so he didn't even have one. Oh my goodness <laughs> but he was kind enough to sign it and I don't know if he remembered me but I offered to help him carry stuff from his car to where he was setting up because like he's got some heavy boxes yeah and it's 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 the it's a drive-in it's kind of muddy it's not level let's help him carry some stuff oh yeah oh and the mahoning yeah that we did the jamboree there the first jamboree we did Mm -hmm. there and it rained that whole weekend and it was like a mud deluge yeah of of the joe bob uh jamboree you recently left uh the the last drive-in I did yeah my schedule just got too crazy and um I've been doing a lot more writing stuff I've been working a lot with um Dr. Deborah Landis out at UCLA we've been compiling together these uh encyclopedias so I have been doing a ton of ton of research so when I'm not and I've been designing an off-Broadway musical so when I'm not doing that like I just I needed to turn my brain off (laughs) there's only so many hours in the day and sometimes you know, no hard feelings, but things need to get yeah. cut off because I got friends that burn the candle at both ends and in the middle. And I look at them like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. I mean, that was me pre-pandemic where I was, I was running a show as a wardrobe supervisor off Broadway. So I was working Tuesday through Sundays. And then I during the day, Monday through Friday, I was a milliner, which is a hat maker. And I would go have like an hour to commute and eat my dinner. And then I, so I never had a day off and then pandemic happened. And I was like, how did I do that to myself? Why did I do that to myself? Like, oh my goodness. I just, I can't even fathom ever going back to that type of lifestyle. I mean, I, I know we each got to make our living, but you also have to live. Right. Exactly. With the living that you're making, you got to have some, some yeah. fun, some adventures, some memories, some good times. And even though, it is 
part of your work. You were part of Air Package too. Yeah. Rad Chad's I, Revenge. Yeah. Oh, I was I so was. happy when I got to watch that movie. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> that was such a fun one too. And like the that whole crew is I, I I cannot speak highly enough of them. Like they are just some of the most amazing human beings I have ever met in my life. And I was so fortunate to get to work with them. And um I actually saw Aaron and Cam at Overlook, same film festival, and we got brunch and it was so Oh, it was so lovely seeing them again because I hadn't seen them since we filmed and they just have such a love for the genre for filmmaking for the people that they work with so it's a really it's a good group of people to be a part of right. any chance of a scare package three I think they're talking about it I am I'm always the last person to know because I'm not the writer and I'm not a mm. producer so they just tell me when to show up and with how many costumes <laughs> Great. And the Overlook uh, Festival, that's the one in New Orleans, right? That is. Yeah, uh, it's such a good, such a great festival. I love New Orleans. I haven't been there since before Rona. I'm dying to okay. get back. But here's my thing. I Loving the city so much, I feel like I would be missing out on something if I'm at screenings all day. Mm. So I like to kind of wander and then I'll hear a horn in the background and then I just follow it to... Yeah. Whoever might be playing it, I want to give them some money and brighten their day because a, a film festival feels different at home. It's like, well, now I'm going yeah. out of my house to have stuff to do. But in that city, I, I, I want to chase the music. I want to chase the food. Yeah, I will say they made it very accessible. Um, it, it was at the Canal Place Theater, which is inside of a mall. It's a movie yes. theater inside of a mall. So, which was really nice because you didn't really have to go anywhere in between screenings. Like everything was right there. Um, but I, I got to, I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of baked some time in because I'd never been to New Orleans. That was my first Ooh. time. And I, I found, I found vegan beignets. I was really excited. Nice. So I got to take a walk. Um, I saw it was that open air market down on the water. I'm not, I'm uh, just outside the the theater. Um, so I got some food and walked around. And one of the screenings was up at the other uh, theater that Canal Place has, the Uptown. Oh, the the Britannia, right? The Britannia Uptown. Mm-hmm. Um, gorgeous old theater. Um, so I got to see that part of the neighborhood, which was really nice. I walked around in there. And yeah, but I think, I don't know. I think if you're going down for a festival and you know that you like the city, you can um, take it like a day on either end, I think. And do some exploring if you ever go back hit me up uh i'll send you some places for live music oh, the only yeah. place i know that has vegan food uh is the green goddess cafe which is in an alley mm. so it's tough to find okay but uh one of my vegetarian friends was very happy when she was down there with us because she's never gotten to order anything off the specials menu before Aww. and i believe the the po'boy shop right next to the museum of death on royal has some vegan options oh awesome and uh last time i went there was the first time i went to that po'boy spot and it was around saint patrick's day so i'm having a po'boy and they have like (laughs) leprechaun in the hood (laughs) playing on the tv that's amazing and i think they were playing gogol bordello uh (laughs) over the sound system so i'm like Pretty good, pretty yeah. good way after seeing some freaky stuff in the Museum of Death. Yeah, I was reading about the Museum of Death. It was on my list. And then they were talking about how, now I'm not, 
weak in 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 the sense of like I don't faint like these horror movies mm. don't make me faint but I think when it comes to like real death yes it would just hurt my heart to like bear witness to so I was like I'm just I'm not gonna we're not gonna go there <laughs> I I agree with that there was nothing to grotesque okay or anything um it was just another thing to do and uh you know they've got like the artwork and writings of known serial killers and just your your usual true crime okay. accoutrements and some stuff in the city of course that yeah. has a large history but i agree completely uh with you on that i've got no problem especially you know working on sets when yeah. you see someone getting decapitated i wait for the day when i'm the person <laughs> off screen squirting blood at a principal actor um most uh disturbing for me was like when i watched an oj simpson like multi-part documentary and they had actual crime scene photos. Ooh, I'm like, yeah. I don't want to see that. No, that's I want to see somebody with a bunch of latex and goop on them because right. that way they're dead here. But next month I can see them in another thing being alive and wonderful right. and earning their living. Right. And when you're on set too, there's, there's a ton of health and safety precautions that like and steps you have to go through. And uh, but it's like, I don't know, real, real death. I'm not a true crime uh, I'm a rare millennial woman where I'm not really into true crime. <laughs> I find it very creepy. <laughs> I understand. That was our, our, our second episode. And uh, David Howard Thornton was nice enough to stick around uh, and give Art the Clown's perspective as I tried oh to figure out why ladies enjoy true crime. Uh, yeah. And I get it. Uh, some of it is like uh, the the uh, audible equivalent of being a prepper. Um but how do you feel about like heist true crime? I, <laughs> like not not murder stuff, but right. it's like someone really like got a good scam going. Oh, I find that stuff fascinating. I love a good mystery. I I love like the the books that I normally read. Like I, I read a bunch of different kinds of books, but the books I I continuously come back to are like the really great like Who Done It Agatha Christie's, where it's like somebody robbed a bank, somebody did this. So if it's a real life like Ponzi scheme or bank scandal that's so fascinating to me but if there's death or anything sleazy involved in real life i'm like nope <laughs> no death or sleazy yeah <laughs> i i don't mind a a, a a a nice amount of sleaze uh and if the death is kind of removed like in uh in something like cocaine cowboys mm. i feel like that that's my appropriate amount of death and sleaze Yes. Yes. I think when it gets in like Patrick Bateman territory where it's like violence against women sleaze, that's yeah. where I that's where I draw the line. We should be nice to ladies. Yeah. Especially somebody who like like if I'm gonna listen to a podcast or an audio, I don't really do audiobooks, but if I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to a podcast on the subway, I don't wanna hear about weirdos that are stalking people because I'm also walking with a bunch of people around me. <laughs> So then I get like on hyper alert. So yeah. That that makes a lot of sense. Uh pre-pandemic when I'd be coming back from improv theaters, if I'd get off the subway at the same stop as uh a, a woman walking alone, I'm like, okay, I've got a choice to make. Yeah. If she walks faster than me, I'm just gonna walk slower. 
If she yeah. walks slower than me, I'm going to just walk past her and adjust my headphones while walking by. So she knows my hands are up here. Yep. I am not a threat to you, good lady <laughs> woman. I have definitely, I have a very fast stride and I've definitely scared a couple people coming home because um, my block from the train to, to our house is, uh, it, it's completely safe, but um, it's, it's just people who live in the neighborhood that are on it. And if I'm walking fast to get home, sometimes I come up on people and they're kind of like, oh, I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to get home. I'm not the creeper. <laughs> she, she's just speedy. I'm just speedy. Which we need some of that from time yeah. to time. Okay, I've been having fun with this question. Yeah. Uh, to guess. Uh, because, you know, getting into the last drive-in and going to drive-ins for the first time during the pandemic, I've really come to enjoy double features and the themes yeah. and fun you can have with that. So, for the purposes of costuming in your eye, what would be your ideal double feature if you got to take over Ooh. your local cinema or drive-in mm. or tell Joe Bob, these are the movies that we're watching this week? Ooh, um, for purely from a costuming standpoint, sure. Um, I think which these movies do not go together, but they're my favorites in the wardrobe sense. Um, I would pair Sofia Coppola's Marie Antoinette mm -hmm. with Midsommar <laughs> <laughs> because they're colorful and they have the beautiful costume designs, and but it's just so. But they're but you know what. I think they go color palette wise. If you're going color palette, they absolutely go um, two movies back to back. I think I would go with, um, oh, that's hard. See, I, I, I think, and I didn't see Marie Antoinette, but I, I, I saw previews. I saw the poster. I know what you're going with. But to me, Midsummer has always been kind of uh, a romantic comedy where it's like, don't date trash men. Yeah. Especially if you're grieving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know I've got my um I've got my Midsommar tarot cards behind me. Nice. I love but yeah, no, I oh that I mean, movie. I, I can relate to the young man, like she just lost her family. Now would be a bad time to break up with her, but like right. clearly you're not happy. This is not no. gonna go well. <laughs> no, yeah, that was oof. Seeing that movie right after a horrific breakup hit all of the notes and ooh. it became like a, a very big comfort watch for me. I was like, Ooh, I just was with a Christian. This is fantastic. And then she sets him on fire. And I was like, this is fantastic. After he's running around the hillside with his bits flapping him. Yes. And, on, and th there's an old Dave, uh, a tell joke where he talks about seeing someone get pantsed running with the bulls in Pamploma. It's like, if you ever see a man running in your direction, cock flapping, you run with that man because there's some <laughs> scary shit coming behind him. Yeah. 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 So that that would be my costume double feature. I, I don't know what like a... Oh, gosh. I, I would probably want to pair something with The Stuff because The Stuff is such a fun movie for me. It's one of my favorites. But I don't know what would what would go with it. So one of my really good friends, Dan, him and his friend, um, they do this thing where they do they do double features. And they have movie nights and they call them Art House Fart House. And I'm kind of blowing his spot with this, but like it's just so good that I want to talk about it. But I will let him talk about it more 
when he gets the opportunity to. But like basically they take a good movie and a bad movie and they okay. find some connecting thread and then they show both of them, which I think is brilliant. I love this idea so yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And I want to make that a thing. I want him to take that somewhere and just like make it a thing at a theater. I, <laughs> I think I, it would I, do so well. I've I've got the ideal pairing. Jaws and Jaws the Revenge. Perfect. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Yeah. My husband came up with a really good one of um uh Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm-hmm. which would be Art House, and then The Haunting of Sharon Tate with Hilary Duff, which would be Fart House. <laughs> I I have not even heard of that one, but then when you said Hillary Duff, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. I have never heard of this movie either. He's seen it years ago. Apparently, it's a Sharon Tate movie starring Hillary Duff as Sharon Tate. I'm I may start this art house fart house thing amongst my uh friends because the closest we came to it was uh chelsea wanted to show us Baz lerman's elvis okay and i'm like okay we did and i felt like i was on a lot of pills and it almost made me dislike elvis but afterwards i showed her bubba hotep and we did an episode because she she had had a couple uh during the very long elvis film so she thought Bubba Hotep was a martial arts movie starring Elvis Presley before she put in the DVD. That's amazing. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, wait, what? That's a great double feature. Uh, what did you think of, of Elvis? Um, I, I, I thought the, the, the lead actor was great. Tom Hanks was weird. I'm probably the only person that doesn't revere Tom Hanks uh, in America. Okay. I like him fine, but my joke is Tom Hanks is just the guy Peter Scolari put on his back and carried <laughs> through Bosom Buddies. Oh. No, no, I, I just like that joke for the reaction. Yeah. But the way that film was shot, like I said, I felt like I was on numerous pills and about to die on my toilet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love Baz Luhrmann's films. I've always been a Baz Luhrmann fan. Um, I mean, Moulin Rouge is like, I think every mid-millennial girl who discovers Moulin Rouge is like this is my personality now and that was definitely me when that movie came out (laughs) I'm glad I didn't see it in the theaters I looked at the running time I'm like oh that's too much Elvis yeah outside of Tennessee in Memphis I can take a whole day of Elvis yeah I wasn't I mean like I like Elvis just fine I took a history rock and roll class in college and I you know after learning about Elvis I will say like his life is very tragic and I feel so bad for what had happened to him. It's kind of like what happened with Brian Williams and the Beach Boys to to a, a less extreme, I mean, two different cases. But um, I don't know, like knowing that most of his career, he was really just a cover artist and he really didn't write his own music while like Chuck Berry and Buddy Holiday and like all these other guys were like writing music and then Dylan comes out like right at the, you know, the mid 60s and you're like, I I can't in good conscience be like a diehard Elvis fan knowing that Bob Dylan exists. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. totally different genres, but you know, like, yeah. And it's even shadier that the Colonel uh, got Elvis writing credits on songs he didn't write. Yeah, yeah. And, and because, I mean, he was talented, but yeah, like. It's because I can exploit these songwriters. They're yeah. going to have a big hit, but they're right. going to have to give up a percentage for mm-hmm. Um, essentially a handsome hillbilly repairman that 
got lucky because he wanted to cut a record for his mama. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and doesn't that happen to songwriters all the time? And I mean, that's what the WGA is striking for. I'm surprised that songwriters haven't been more vocal about, I mean, none of those pop stars with the exception of like one or two write their own music. And yet they're the ones getting the Grammys and they're the ones accepting these awards. And it's like, you don't actually have the, you have the vocal talent, but you don't have the, I don't know. I, I've, to me, a musician is all encompassing. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, sing, write, play. That that to me is a musician. That, that could be contentious for a lot of people, but that to me is a musician. I agree. I agree completely. I like the the artists that can do all of it, either by themselves or or with somebody right. else. And even the ones that I love sometimes get a little help here and there. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you brought up the writer's guild strike because normally this would be the busy season and I'd be working a lot and wouldn't be able to uh, record with someone as wonderful as yourself (laughs) on a Friday afternoon. Um, So I'm a little upset that I'm not out there earning that money right now as things are grinding to a halt. But I agree with everything that the writer's guild is trying to get for themselves. And I'm very happy that all the other unions are supporting them because streaming companies made a shit ton of money when everybody was sitting at home for a couple of years. Yep. You can't say that you don't have it. You're sending rockets into space. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, I've watched, I'm a big theme park person and I've been watching a lot of different videos about the future of Disney and um, where they say their revenues are coming from. And they're saying that the streaming service isn't bringing in a lot of revenue. I'm not on the business side of things, so I don't know concretely, but you can't be doing that bad that you can't pay your people, (laughs) you know, like you're putting out so much content and the fact that we have to call it content now and not just films and television, but the, but you're putting out so much. How are you? and, And people are eating it up. How are you not making that back? Regarding Disney, I realize they have to to fight the governor of Florida on one front in the yeah. boardroom and like, but that's okay. But you've had under a century of big money. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I, I hope that um I saw them protesting down by Silver Cup the mm-hmm. other day, you know, yesterday, and that was really lovely to see. And um yeah, I just I I I am part of the union as well, not the WGA. I'm part of 829 of costume designers and scenic artists. So we support them. And I hope that they get everything that they want because they deserve it. Because without them, we would not have our work. It all starts on the page. And it really that does. gives the rest of us shit to do. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, even as someone who loves to improvise, I realize not every show can be that way. <laughs> no. And even like, you know, improvised think of you know reality television quote unquote it's all beat sheets you're still writing things down spoilers it's not actually real <laughs> you you mean to say that those housewives that my girlfriend <laughs> love don't really make up things on the spot and throw drinks in each other's faces <laughs> you mean mike the situation really didn't say that yeah i know <laughs> yeah yeah Uh, it's an interesting time i'm I'm curious to see where everything goes i hope things get resolved in the proper way i hope they see the impact of uh of this type of standstill 
in this way. And um, yeah, and I hope that we can all get back to work. Dream we all dream of. Yeah. Jolene. Well, it's always wonderful talking with you. Yeah. Um, maybe one day I'll have another idea and think to myself, you know who would be great to bring in to <laughs> chat with about this? I mean, I so, hope I answered all your questions. <laughs> I'll probably come up with a few more because my <laughs> brain works that way. Um, and I, I, I hope I gave you some fun things to research and go, you know what? I never thought of that. Let me go down this Google hole. Oh, yeah. So is there anything you'd like to plug or tell the people where they can find you if they want to find you? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at Jolene Marie underscore designs and on Twitter at Joe Marie designs. Um, I don't have anything coming up quite just yet. I have some programs uh, with cinema arts center out in Huntington. If you're on Long Island or in the city in the works, um, but we're working on just getting some dates locked in, but um, got those coming up, some screeners and some lectures. So keep an eye on my socials for those. Please do go to the Huntington cinema arts center. It's a fun place. It is. It's fantastic. And and the next chapter, which was the uh, continuation of the Huntington book review, is a little further on up the road. Even though we're trying not to buy books, yeah, we're we're going to buy books. We're going to buy books. We know that's <laughs> going to happen. Uh, you can check out Spooky Doings Improv on Facebook, Spooky Doings on Instagram. I'm at Rick Guzman seven one eight on the Twitter. Jolene, thank you for being a part of the show. Um, and yeah. In the meantime, in between time, everybody stay good, stay healthy, stay spooky.